Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. My name is Steve and I'm an alcoholic. We'll start our meeting this morning with the serenity prayer. God, God, grant grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Uh, the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any set, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy and neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Well, welcome to our meeting this morning. Uh, We have members of the fellowship and sharing their experience, strength and hope about the journey of recovery from alcoholism. And to start the sharing off this morning, Rachel, do you want to share? Thanks, Steve. Hi, I'm Rachel and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Um, It's lovely to be here this morning um, with other people who share the disease of alcoholism, um, who understand um, what's essentially at the core of me, even though I've only met you guys today. Um, it's I know that we have something in common that is um, very essential. Um, my love affair with alcohol began as a teenager. Um, I came from a loving family, um, a privileged upbringing, um, I had a good education, um, a functional family life, really had everything going for me. Um, But I know that when I first tried alcohol, it did something for me that it didn't seem to do to the same extent as my friends. Um, I was aware that my grandfather was a recovering alcoholic and I had some awareness that um, the amount that I really, really loved it might Um, be a little bit of a warning signal so I was careful from a very early age to hide how much I I really really like to drink Um, so my secret drinking tended to go on behind the scenes I was careful in public with other people to seem as if I were a normal drinker but I usually had from a very young age my own little stash and supply um, because it gave me something that that I I liked the feeling of being able to just drift through situations that would normally have made me anxious um, where I didn't feel I fitted or um, where there was just something wrong inside me, some kind of void that alcohol fitted the bill for. It absolutely filled that gap and made me feel I was the person I was meant to be. It made me feel like other people... um, made me feel like I could cope. I survived my 20s without any major incident, um, keeping my drinking very much in the background as something that I did privately. I thought for pleasure and by choice. Um, I was to find out through my 30s that it was no longer a pleasure and that I had very little choice about whether I did it or not. Um, I gained a master's degree. I had um, good jobs. I... um, had a great relationship um, 
there technically on the surface there really wasn't anything in my life that would suggest that I'd I would want to be slowly killing myself with alcohol because the amount I drank slowly increased. It's a progressive disease I've since learned and gradually it took more and more alcohol for me to have that same feeling of serenity I I now see, um, a a level of calm, a, a sense that I could cope with things and it took more and more. Um, I guess eventually the cracks started to show. It was harder and harder to hide. I began to withdraw from work, from relationships, from anyone who I thought might suspect the depth of my unhappiness and the actual fact of my drinking. I now know that very few people actually suspected because I worked so incredibly hard to hide it. Um, The amount of lying, sneaking around, um, covering things up, um, setting up situations so that I could be alone to drink, um, excusing my withdrawal from life with things like anxiety and depression. Um, I now know that I didn't need to have a reason to drink. I drank whether things were fantastic or whether they were awful and I like the phrase some I've heard people use that says uh, was it birds chirp dogs bark and alkies drink <laughs> it's just what I did it was as natural as breathing so when the cracks really started to show um, got into a little bit of trouble here and there um, it was something I was deeply ashamed of, uh, worked very hard to to justify, um, I really didn't want anybody to find out my huge life, lifelong secret, um, but eventually it became impossible to hide. So I began another form of deception, which was pretending to be somebody in recovery. Um, at that point, I this was my early 40s, I'm now in my mid-40s, uh, that involved in taking myself into a detox and sticking with the idea that um, if I, I was simply physically addicted and that once um, I'd cleaned it out of my system that I could learn to be in control again and um, everything would be fine. And that was a, a deeply erroneous thought. Um, I found out quickly that my need to drink wasn't a physical addiction. It was something bigger than that. It was a compulsion. Um, it sometimes makes me think about obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I just did it anyway. Um, I didn't want a bar of AA. Um, I'd heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, of course, and I had some preconceived ideas about it that it was some kind of unsupervised, outdated group therapy or something like a church. And I wasn't interested in any of that. I thought um, perhaps modern modern psychology must have come a lot further than the 1930s and um, there would be some much more advanced kind of ways to um, control my drinking um, that I could investigate. And I tried many of them and I... Obviously, none of them worked. Um, I I gave the impression of being somebody who was open to stopping drinking or at least being interested in learning to not have it cause any more damage in my life. But 
I knew that Alcoholics Anonymous was an abstinence program and that scared the crap out of me. So I, I brought up every resistance to it possible. I ended up in a situation where I was required to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and which I duly did because I'm mostly a good girl. In fact, I'm an, I'm an honest person. I'm, um, a relatively, I'm a moral person, except when it comes to alcohol. Um, it's the one part of my life in which I will lie, cheat, steal, um, behave badly around and do just about anything um, in order to, to protect it, um, to protect my ability to, to have it and... Um, to take what I thought was pleasure from it. What eventually astounded me about Alcoholics Anonymous was that it addressed every aspect of what the condition was doing to me. Um, It's by alcoholics and for alcoholics. Something about being in a room full of people who understood that part of me allowed me to finally start to become honest which is the principle of the first step and after that I began to develop some faith in the fact that these people might know what they were talking about and faith is the principle of the second step I've since discovered and that allowed me to follow through and actually abandon myself, willingly abandon myself to the program in its entirety, um, which was such a feeling of relief eventually. I wasn't interested in ideologies prior to this. Um, I didn't want to be told what to do or um, to have to live in a particular way dictated by other people. And I effectively I condemned prior to investigation and what I've discovered is the most wonderful, open, inclusive program that helps me to live the steps allowed me to clean up my past, to look at myself realistically and to understand where my flaws are, where my um, character defects and things that just trip me up over and over again lie and allow me to move towards <laughs> removing them from my from my character, from my behaviour. And it's living by the principles which are the there's a principle attached to each step and living that way is nothing new it it comes from eons of of collective human wisdom Um, it's not attached specifically to a religion and I love the fact that my higher power can be anything as long as it is greater than myself Um, In the past, I I saw myself as effectively as God, as um, the one who had all of the control. And I truly thought that if I could just gain enough control, enough um, willpower, that I could control my drinking. I now understand that um, it is beyond my control and any other human power. So I've had to search for something that that can um, remove the alcoholism, you know, to, to remove the, the desire to drink from me. And that has happened through doing the 12 steps. I would not have believed it, but it really did happen. And um, my life now, sober, both physically and spiritually, emotionally, mentally, um, is absolutely wonderful. It's, it's an amazing feeling. I have 
a, a fuller life again. I have people in my life. I'm no longer isolated. I am comfortable with who I am. And the future looks so much brighter than it did. I actually want to live and I'm not going to die of this hideous disease. I will die of something else but um, for some other reason or some other way but it's not going to be um, because I drank myself to death and um, I feel truly, truly blessed. Excellent. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, you're with Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM and this morning we had members of the fellowship in sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. And to continue on with the sharing this morning, John, do you want to share? Yes, my name's John, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Hi John. John. Hi. Um, I'm basically, fundamentally, I'm allergic to alcohol. I believe that's the bottom, that's the root cause of my problems. I have a an bodily allergy and a mental obsession to drink. And I have had that, I'm in my 60s now, and I look back to when I was younger and how it all happened, as you do, you sort of analyse these things. Um, I stopped 19 years ago. Um, I have no idea why I stopped. It just happened one day when I was out at a party situation and I drank, as you always do when you're at a party, and then I stopped. And since then, I've been going to meetings non-stop to at least minimum two a week, and I have now immersed myself in this program. Um, I don't think it's a religious program. A lot of people look at it and think, oh, to see the word God on the wall and think, oh, I'm not going to have a bar of that. For me, it's a spiritual program. It's about belief rather than um, religion. So um, I think fundamentally everybody believes in something. You've got to believe in something, otherwise you wouldn't get through each day. And... I, as I stumbled across this program, I didn't mean to come into it, just like I didn't mean to start drinking. I just, it just happened. And it's plugged a gap for me in that I now have a higher power. Now, you can write books about what higher powers are, and they have, in terms of God and all the different religions, people, the religious um, disciplines, disciplines and people involved in that. To me, it's a very simple program. It's a simple program for us complicated people, as we say. Um, and I believe my mind is complicated in that it will take something very, very basic and, you know, go on and on and on about it. Um, and so I've got to rein myself in, I think, rein my emotions and my thoughts in, which is what this program does. This program imposes a discipline on me, and I'm fundamentally an undis undisciplined person. Never have been, never will be. I got caught up in the whole hippie thing when I was younger. I remember the first time I ever actually experienced anything like addiction, we'll call it, is when my father had a grocer's shop and he used to have sugar delivered in sacks. And I'd go out the back and I'd get a cup and I'd sit there and fill this cup with sugar and i just mellow out on it, on sugar. And I believe that our culture actually teaches us from the word go that sugar's good and if you eat sugar, you'll feel good. And so you'll get sugar, 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 high, high, high. And then that's when we're kids and when we're adults, all of a sudden other stuff comes in into sight, alcohol. And hey, that's the same thing. Oh, I've already been... Um, trained to like sugar, so I'll just move on to alcohol. And that's, that was the road that I took, basically. Um, I came of age, shall we say, in the hippie era, which was when anything going was anything going, and drugs and alcohol, you name it, you put it into you and it changes you for the better. And that went on for many, many years, um, until one day I went out on a party one night, on a boat one night, 19 years ago, 
and stopped. Now, I asked myself, why would I just stop like that? And I still can't answer that. I just, I believe that there was some kind of spiritual process that happened to me combined with a thinking process that led to me saying, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I hope if there's people listening out there now that have come to that same point where you're listening to this thinking, oh, I can't do this anymore, that you realise that there is a solution. It's not a, it's not a cure. I'd go along with the theory that there is no cure for alcoholism. I think the, um, it's been confirmed that this is a disease. Um, it's a dis-ease. We don't, didn't ask to have it. I, sorry, I'll talk about me. I didn't ask to have it. I didn't ask to be born with a disease. But I believe that I've got it. The only solution for me, because it's such a murky, crazy thing, is to stop one day at a time. And that's the other thing I've got out of this program is that whole process of looking at things one day at a time. Um, we say that if you had to give up something for the rest of your life, who'd want to do that? You know, how long is the rest of your life sort of thing? But I can do something for 24 hours that I could not do for the next 24 years. And my recovery has been simply that, just one day at a time for the last 19 years. And nothing magic about it. I just do what I've been suggested, what it's been suggested to me that I do. There's no, as I say, there's no cure. There's no one way that you do it. It's just we've got the fellowship. We've got the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We've got a sponsor. I've got a sponsor. Um, and these people and these processes just suggest alternatives to me. And they've worked. They've worked for nearly 20 years now. So, um, yeah, where was I? Okay, so I'm allergic to alcohol, but unfortunately I love drinking. And I've got to say that 19 years after I stopped, I still love drinking. I've always, since I was younger, loved the idea of getting out of it somehow. Reality, not good. Out of it, good. So I would do anything. I would swallow anything that would change my perception of the world. Because to me, the world was not a, not a good place. It was a hostile environment. Whereas when I went to a party, I could relax when I drank. Um, I was sociable, I was this, that, you know, you wouldn't believe what I was when I drank. But there was a downside. The hangovers were horrendous. It's interesting that this program was actually playing on a Sunday morning, which is, I guess, most people go to parties on Saturday nights, which is what I used to do when I was younger. And Sunday mornings, you wake up with a hangover from hell. You think, I'll never do that again. And then you go out and do it all over again the next day. Because that is the nature, I believe, of alcoholism. There is no bottle, there's no defence your mind says, oh, it'll be different this time. I often sort of use the image of, when I'm sharing at meetings, of my disease sitting outside the room doing press-ups, waiting for me to slip up again. Waiting for me to tell myself, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all these people are wrong. Maybe this AA program's all wrong. Maybe just one little drink won't hurt me. How could, how could one tiny drink of a substance do all that to that, for me, is the enigma of this um, disorder. Um, the irony is that just one small activity like drinking alcohol can, because of my personality and my um, the way I'm built, basically, can wreck my life. And I think that's ridiculous. But it's got a lot also to do with my thinking and that when I drink my thinking changes as well. Everything changes, and as far as I'm concerned, my drinking makes me a different person. So I need, 
I'm one of those people who's born without the rule book, as we say. I need something to latch on to to help me get through it all. And that's what I found in AA. It was the big book of AA and the 12 steps of AA and having a sponsor that I can talk to about any stuff that comes up and sharing at meetings, even just talking about things, just somehow clarifies it for me. So my suggestion... Again, AA is only ever suggests it doesn't tell people what to do. It's not that sort of a program. For me, I liked the fact that I wasn't being told what to do. The suggestion is that you just go to a meeting, sit there and listen if you need to. When you feel ready, you share. You talk about how it is for you, why you're there, what you're going to get out of it. There are meetings all over Auckland. Um, there's a meeting list that's that's updated regularly, that tells you we're lucky in Auckland because there are meetings all over the place. If I lived in somewhere like Ekatahuna, not that there's anything wrong with Ekatahuna, but I've lived in somewhere like Ekatahuna, there's probably only one meeting a week, but I have the luxury of meetings all over the place. There are online meetings. You know, it's there for the taking, and they're all the free solutions that if you went to some other place or person, you'd probably have to pay through the nose for. And that's the beauty of the program, I think, that basically it's there for the taking and I would suggest if anybody has issues with alcohol and you'll know whether you do or not, you'll sense it, you'll feel it, um, you know, make make that phone call and make that call, just turn up at a meeting and it will all be the way it's going to be. It's not necessarily the way you think it'll be, but it'll turn out the way it's meant to turn out. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Uh, you're with Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. We have members of the fellowship in this morning sharing their experience, strength and hope about the journey of recovery from alcoholism. And our last share of this morning is Dawn. Would you like to share? Thank you. Hi, I'm Dawn. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. I'm very early in my sobriety. I'm only 47 days today. So when I was, it was suggested by my sponsor that I might like to come and share, I thought, what have I got to offer? Not much because I haven't got the program yet, but maybe someone out there will identify with my story. Um, so to tell you a little bit about myself and where I come from is I too was grew up in a nice home and that my father was an alcoholic. Many alcoholics can remember their first drink. I can't, but I can remember my father was a beer drinker and he would uh, give us kids a, a sip of beer and um, he would be, you know, and so we grew up on that. I really got into drinking um, when I was about 14 or 15 teenage parties and um I guess I describe myself as a slow learner because I'm now in my early 60s and so I drank for over 40 years before I I came to AA. And so very, as Rachel has said, it's a progressive disease. So in my early teens, 20s, it was good social drinker, lots of fun and laughter and all of that associated with, you know, the good times. As I progressed through the 30s, yes, again, good times, but you know, into my 40s, 50s, especially in my 50s, it became progressive. The couple of wines a night be- turned into a couple of bottles a night. I would uh, isolate myself. I think that's quite a common thing from alcoholics that I know of and have talked to and listened to. And that I'd isolate myself and I'd make excuses about why I wouldn't come out because my best friend was the bottle. 
rather than going out and enjoying the good times, I would sit at home and drink alone. I think that that's not an uncommon story. And what brought me to AA really was I hit rock bottom. I consider myself to be a smart, intelligent woman. I knew about that drinking's bad for you, but it becomes such a, well, it is an addiction. It becomes an addictive thing to do. It just becomes part of your life. I think that for me, it was, there was always an excuse to drink, whether it was sad, happy, whatever. If the sun was shining or it was raining, you'd drink. That's what it is. And why did I like drinking? I liked drinking because it made me feel different. It made me feel like I fitted in, especially in my young days. I felt awkward and I, you know, didn't like myself. I, although I had plenty of brothers and sisters, I felt very alone in the large family. And but drinking alcohol made me made me feel like I fitted in. I fitted in. I was life and soul of the party. It was good times. I could talk to people, I could dance, I could be anything. I could fly. But the thing that I realized not early on, but as later, I just can't have one drink. I can't understand people that go out for dinner and pour a glass of wine and leave a half a glass on the table. It just isn't in my psyche. I just have no sense of that. I would be looking at the table and and surreptitiously try and get that half a glass that they leave over to my way so that I would, you know, it seems such a waste to have that. So I now know that I cannot just stop at one glass or half a glass. I have to be, they say in alcoholics, it's don't worry about the rest of the drinks, it's the first glass that that does you in. And that's so true for me. It really is. Now, as I say, I'm early in my sobriety at 47 days and I knew about AA. My father had been in AA many years ago. I, not successfully, I have to say. He, I... He, he did have to go. I remember in my childhood he was in detox. And where we're, where we're um, recording now at Unitech was the old Carrington Hospital and it was the detox ward here at Carrington. Now, I remember coming and visiting him. But he wasn't successful and he went out and drank again and drank till he died. And he could be a very nasty man. And I suppose I blamed my drinking for all the years on him. And actually, it's not his fault. What is is alcoholism? It's a disease. As John has said, it's a, a disease. It is progressive. It is. It's unfortunately not a very sociably acceptable disease, um, but it is a disease. And I'm glad that I have a disease like this rather than a disease of other things which can kill you. Believe me, alcohol can kill you as well. But having found AA, there is actually a solution. I'll never be, I'll never get over alcoholism, but I can get into recovery. And that's what I've chosen to do. So after 40 plus years of drinking, seven weeks ago, I 
sat at home on a Saturday night and I had been thinking about going to AA. I'd known about it. I'd, I, you know, as I say, I think I'm a smart, intelligent woman. And so I'd done it. And maybe like you, you sat looking at your computer online with a glass of wine in your hand doing the online test to see how bad your drinking is. And so I think, oh, yes, no, I've scored very highly in that. I'll have one one more drink. Anyway, I'm new. I, one thing that I just wanted to say, when you come into AA, there seems to be a lot of jargon about steps and traditions and big books and stuff like that. And I didn't have a clue what all that meant. And I don't need to have a clue, but... What I found that the fellowship, walking into my first meeting and every meeting after that, everybody was just so warm and welcoming across every demographic. It didn't matter about gender, race, um, whatever, age. Everyone was very welcoming. And I really felt I truly walked in to a group of my people. These people were mine. They told my stories. They, they, just made me feel like I was at home. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Dawn. You've been listening to Alcoholics Anonymous this morning, and if you've identified uh, with our speakers and you'd like to do something about your drinking, you can log on to aa.org.nz, and in the drop-down box is a list of all meetings in the greater Auckland area and right throughout the whole country. Uh, Or if you want to talk to somebody, you can phone 0800 AA Works. And this will put you in contact with an AA member in your local area. And we'll be back here again next Sunday at 10.45 on 104.6 Planet FM with Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. And we'll close our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. 